These are your hosts, Grace and Kim. Hi. From the MISN CAP team, and welcome to the Real Women's Forum, where we discuss topics including but not limited to trust in relationships, sexual health, hygiene, racial issues, and misogyny. Recently, we have added subjects that pertain to youth and have created a section under our podcast named Adolescence with an X, where we will speak on topics that specifically relate to youth in our community. Before we start, a small disclaimer, the Real Women's Forum podcast does not issue any medical advice. Instead, the podcast serves as a safe and brave space for women and other members of the community to discuss, voice common concerns, and share their experiences. We encourage you to visit MISN's website to seek information on specialized programs regarding health insurance, improving birth outcomes, and educating teens on the risks of being sexually active. Today, we will be speaking with Orange County Legislator of District 6, representing the city and town of Newburgh, Genesis Ramos, who also serves as the Executive Director of the Desmond Center for Community Engagement and Wellness. Welcome, and thank you for agreeing to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited, and it's an honor to be here with you this morning. So I'm excited to have this conversation. So our first question is, please tell us your story and how you got to where you are now. So uh, my name is Genesis Ramos and I'm a lifelong resident of the city of Newburgh. I am first generation. My family came to the city of Newburgh in the late 80s from Honduras. My mom actually being the first one that came um, here and then my dad. For me growing up, here in this community and growing up in a low-income family of immigrant parents who I always saw them work so hard. I always saw them really go above and beyond to, you know, put food on the table to make sure that my brother and I were okay. And even though we grew up poor, honestly speaking, my parents always did the very best that they could to make sure that we had what we needed. And they always uh, did their best to just show us to be strong-willed and perseverance. And that no matter the obstacles or the challenges that life may throw at you, um, that there's always a, a solution. There's always a way, right? As long as the will is there. Um, I grew up, most of my childhood was actually on Hasbrook Street in the city of Newburgh. So much of my childhood and my childhood memories are there. I have so many moments that I can go back to in my childhood of riding my bike up and down that street or we lived on the second floor and there was like a, like an outdoor porch and I spent a lot of my time on that porch too and so you know growing up in the city of Newburgh you are exposed to inequity from a very young age obviously when you're five years old you don't know what the word inequity means but nonetheless you see that you and your peers are different and you see that some of your peers are even in more disadvantaged positions than you. You know, seeing some of my classmates, for example, have to wear the same clothes every day. Just see, like you see the differences in, in, in certain things. You know, I grew up in a household where I learned Spanish first. That was my first language. And I was, you know, a little kid or my brother translating documents from my parents and going to doctor's appointments with them, helping them to better understand. So from a young age, you learn to advocate. You don't know you're advocating, but you're advocating for your family. And so I really think my own personal lived experience, along with 
what I saw my whole life really is what inspired me to get into a career of service. I went to SUNY Orange. I got my associate's degree in human services, and I was able to do my internships here in the city of Newburgh. And then I went on to get my bachelor's degree in sociology with a concentration in human services. After I got my bachelor's, um, actually during the time I was getting my bachelor's, I had already started working here in our community and I continued my work here in our community. And then I made a transition into healthcare, worked for a federally qualified health center for several years before coming back to the to our community to work for the Mount. And after about three years of getting my bachelor's degree, I got my master's degree in public administration because I knew that I wanted to have a career ultimately in an administrative role and not because I'm interested in so much power, but rather influence um, because our influence carries impact, right? And so I recognize that my voice, while I'm not the voice of the people, because I always tell people that like I'm, I'm a voice, right? And I can help amplify other voices, but as a leader, you have to also know how to pass the mic. But I think it's important for us in positions of leadership to do work that's informed, that's truly about meeting the need and not just about what we think our community needs. Because even as someone who has lived here her whole life, I can tell you that last year when I knocked on thousands of doors in our community, when I was campaigning, there's so much that I learned that even though I know a lot of the issues, there's so much that I learned that I was not aware of, right? And so we have to always humble ourselves to be able to listen more than we speak as well as leaders. And so I think throughout a combination of my education, my experience, and then also my community involvement, you know, I'm on the board of directors for Safe Harbors of the Hudson. I'm on the board of directors for the Newburgh Ministry. I'm on the, um, I chair the City of Newburgh Human Rights Commission and I co-chair the Economic Development Advisory Committee for the City of Newburgh. But those are boards, right? And boards are super important because they should be led by people in our communities. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, you know, I've always been someone who's just volunteered her time with different initiatives and organizations in our community. Um, I think it's super important to be on the grounds to really be able to connect and talk to people and understand things beyond what you read or beyond what, again, what you know through your own worldview. But one thing that's very important to me, similar to the conversation about the mic, right, is that, you know, just because I may do this work, that doesn't mean that I understand the lived experience of every single Black or Brown person. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn how to take your experience and be able to step in that, right, to know how to advocate and things like that, but understand that your experience is not the end-all be-all. So that's a little bit about my story, how I got here. Um, you know, one of the things I love to share because I think it's so important, my paternal grandmother, um, she's she cannot read and she cannot write. And she's I'm lucky enough to still have her alive. But I just think about that for one second to think about how my father's mother, you know, she didn't even get an education. She wasn't able to even get educated in Honduras and then I've been able to, through a lot of sacrifice and hard work, but still nonetheless, I've been able to be where I am. And that's something that I don't take for granted. And that reminds me of where I come from and helps me to remain grounded in everything I do. Yeah, that's amazing. I really appreciate that you've taken on the role of like lifelong advocacy. And I feel like it's very easy for someone who has your caliber of success and who's worked hard to get to where they are to kind of forget 
the communities that you were a part of and the communities that raised you and the communities that helped you to become who you are and kind of gave you that drive and to just follow the success or to follow the money. And so I really appreciate that you've not only taken all these steps to better yourself, but also turned it around and wanted to give back to your community and support your community and amplify the voices of people who would not be heard otherwise. The next question that we have for you is, can you just tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing specifically in the Newburgh community? Sure. So I guess there's different levels to the work I do, right? So as a legislator, I am, it's a a role that I'm extremely proud of. Uh, So looking at the history of the Orange County Legislature, which has been in existence for over 50 years now, there had never been a woman of color. So not a black woman, not a brown woman, Latina, Asian, just never a woman of color. And that was such a huge motivator for me in wanting to run for office because representation does matter, right? It's not even, it's not even to say that this is about identity politics, but it does matter because if I'm going to represent our community, I should be able to connect to and and really be able to understand what are the challenges in our community and how to be able to connect to different groups of people so that I can actually advocate for them in the ways that matter the most. So I was really ready for to see a change in the way that our local government was representing us. And I took that risk and, and that leap of faith to put myself out there, which is really not something that's innate to me, honestly. People that know me well know that I'm more introverted. And so it was, it definitely took a lot of me coming out of my comfort zone too. Because when you're campaigning, you're in many ways kind of selling yourself, you're selling your vision, your, you know, what are your goals? How are you going to do this? Um, but I can tell you both that I never knocked on a door and said, oh, if you vote for me, I'm going to be the first woman of color in the legislature because I always knew that was a given. I always led with my knowledge, my experience, and my goals for our community because that is what is important. And I knew that I was qualified even indoors where I would get shut down or people would be blatantly racist or sexist toward me or ageist toward me. Mm. I did not let the experiences at those doors determine what I was going to continue to do to to earn the trust of the community to vote for me. And so as a legislator, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of hats that you wear. I mean, on a very technical level, um, you know, you have committees that you get assigned to as a legislator. I'm on public safety and emergency services. I'm on education and economic development and physical services, which is all about infrastructure. And you, we have our monthly legislative sessions and we uh, approve annual budgets and you know pass resolutions, all that kind of stuff. So there's the actual kind of legislative side of being a legislator, which is the meat and potatoes of the work, but there's also you being an advocate. There's also you being a connector. There's also you being a presence in the community and um, encouraging things like equitable, for me, equitable economic development and advancing health equity in our community. That's what I'm extremely passionate about. That's my area that I have a lot of expertise in and that I bring a lot of experience in. It was one of the biggest things I ran on was being able to expand access to healthcare and access looks like a lot of things, right? There's physical access, but then there's health literacy, there's, you know, um, there's, there's just so many levels to what access even means. And so for me, being a legislator is, yes, you know, making sure that I'm doing my due diligence of, of being an active and involved legislator as it relates to all my duties and my fiscal duties, but 
also being a presence in the community and being a resource, being someone that the community can reach out to and connect to. Um, here at Mount St. Mary College as the Executive Director for the Desmond Center of Community Engagement and Wellness. I'm very excited about this because this is very much a startup inside of this institution um, that is focused on health and wellness in our community. We're going to have an amazing uh, center here that's going on campus. It's going to be for the community in which we're going to be able to offer healthcare services, um, health education programming, wellness programming, professional development services. So, you know, we're definitely going to be um, partnering with our partners like MISN and um, Cornerstone and Montefiore St. Luke's because we know that there's already a lot of amazing organizations doing a lot of the work. It's going to be about building our capacity and you know putting our resources together. Um, I think the college is positioned very uniquely in this specific side of the city that oftentimes doesn't always have access to resources. And so I think that's another advantage of being located here on the east side of the city, but overall I look forward to being able to create a place that's inclusive for everyone from all walks of life. We're going to have an amazing community space that we'll be able to do um, all kinds of things like, you know, conferences and uh, talks and things like that. And so um, it has definitely been a challenge. I've been in the role for four months now and it's definitely proving to be a, a huge challenge, but um, I'm you know, finally fully staffed. So that's exciting. I was able to, you know, go from creating job descriptions to hiring people and they're, you know, both from Newburgh. So I'm super excited about that. So we're able to kind of keep that community presence really alive and well here. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's a little bit about the work here at the Mount. And I just find it incredible that the college has dedicated itself to be that bridge of service in the community. I think it's long overdue. And, you know, I think that as beautiful as an institution of this is, it's been really segregated in the community, not a place that's always been accessible to everyone. So I look forward to creating more accessibility. Last but not least, in terms, I, I shared a little bit about some of my volunteer um, stuff with the boards I sit on. So there's a lot that happens there with um, the different boards and helping to advance some initiatives through those organizations. And then I would say through my um, consultant lens, I have been doing work with the Newburgh um, Free Library. I started this last year. It's a series that we, we called Empowering Career Conversations. And so uh, all done through a JEDI lens, Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. I um, really facilitate and kind of host these workshops that are really dedicated to talking about workplace and career issues as it relates specifically to uh, people of color, women, um, you know, groups that are oftentimes underrepresented and that face additional barriers and challenges as it relates to upward mobility in any industry, in any field, um, gaining different skills. So we've talked about so many things like, you know, microaggressions and advocating for yourself in the workplace and negotiating salary and things like that. So this is something that um, actually this evening, I have my, <laughs> I have my first session of 2022. Um, and so it's something that we're going to continue this year. And I'm very excited about because although the groups tend to be intimate, people really open up and it's able to be a really safe and productive space. So that's a little bit about the different kind of work I'm doing here. Just a, little, just a little, oh my God, that's a lot of work and of different roles that you play. 
I was familiar with you as an executive director and as a legislator, but I didn't know that you did uh, consulting work and had a partnership with the library. Yeah, and I yeah. you wear multiple hats, but I feel like it shows your commitment to everything that you said you plan to do in the community and I think that's really amazing like you were were running on health equity and obviously like with your role as a director you're doing that like this is it's all really amazing work that you're doing and I can say personally I appreciate it and I'm sure the community appreciates it as well yes I wish I will hopefully be somewhat like you (laughs) further on in my career listen absolutely um I think anyone can be anyone they want to be, right? Honestly, and I think that's honestly one of the biggest messages that I wanted to send with winning my election. It's all about, I think, planting that seed because like I tell people all the time, I might be the first, but I'm not going to be the last. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make sure of that. <laughs> so Kimberly, I think it's it's so much about just really having that belief in yourself, right? And what I found in my life is that once I started believing in myself and I started really putting myself out there, networking, tapping into people, um, breaking out of my comfort zone, other people start believing in you too. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes this really powerful effect because you just feel like I got this and I'm going to take on the world and, you know, whatever the world means to you. Right. Um, and, and I think it's really, it really comes down to that. How do you handle all the different roles that you play while also making <laughs> the time for yourself? Yeah, this is a great question. And this is something that actually I've been giving a lot of thought and intention to. So last year really was mentally and emotionally exhausting for me. Um, but, you know, I was working full time and I was still involved in all my community stuff while campaigning. And it really took a toll on me, honestly. I feel like there were so many times that I like, you know, I, I like I didn't see a lot of my friends for most of last year. Like there's just so much that I couldn't do because I always had something campaign related. It was a lot. And um, last year, I was able to see things like, who are the people that are really riding for me? Like, who are the people that are really holding me down? I was also able to see, besides where I had the most support, I was also able to see where my energy was no longer really useful or really served me anymore. And so after the general election in November, I really took most of December, January, February, Honestly, I took these like two and a half months to really go inward, to really lay low and take time for myself. So not, you know, kind of pulling away from social media a little bit, staying home a lot and just really almost like regaining a lot of that energy and, and really grounding myself again. And because it's so easy to lose that you know, when, when you're doing so much to not be grounded. And for me, it's so important to be rooted in what I do for the right reason, mm-hmm. right? Not because of whatever else, or like those external kind of motivators, you know, the money, the title, like all that stuff, rather, why am I doing this? So when I go back to my story on Hasbrook Street, or when I go back to my story about my mom coming here, you know, alone in the late eighties, that's what I go back to, to keep me going because, because that is the reason why I'm doing all of this. Right. So I had to really take that time, but honestly, I think last year also taught me that I needed to do better to balance myself and my self-care and self-care does not mean going to a spa all the time. Um, that's not accessible for everyone. I have found that there's smaller ways to be able to take care of ourselves. So 
for me, boundaries have become huge mm-hmm. at this point in my life, right? Um, there's, a, there's something that I like to say, you can do every, you can, you can do anything, but not everything. And as you can both imagine, I get tapped into a lot now. Sure. And so now it's about saying no, right? I, I don't have the capacity to take this on. I can't, I like, even if it's things that I'm very passionate about, again, passing the mic, um, you know, maybe there's this person that I know that is very passionate about this too. And they may have more capacity than I do at this time. I think it's really recognizing our bandwidth saying no. And even in terms of my diet, you know, last year I was on the go so much that I really was not eating healthy. I had, I had picked up a lot of unhealthy habits. So these past three months have really been about me being more intentional, even about my diet. So cooking more, eating out less, you know, drinking more water, like all these things that are so basic, but that are so easy to lose sight of. And so I've been really, really diligent and intentional with myself about what self-care means to me. And self-care to me at this point is, is really heavily revolving around those boundaries. Thank you for stressing the importance of self-care. I think it's really easy to get lost in whatever work that you're doing, especially if it's something that you feel like is helping other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that one of the most impactful things I've ever heard is that you cannot pour from an empty cup. And so if you're not taking the best care of yourself, you're not showing up as the best version of yourself and you're not able to do whatever work you're intending to do because you have no energy to give. And so I think it's really important to know yourself and to know what it is that you need and to make sure that even if it's just like practical stuff, like cleaning your room or doing the laundry, stuff that's gonna give you a chance later to take a breath and to sit down is really gonna be helpful in the long run. Our next question for you is, what do you hope to see happen from your hard work and dedication and determination in the community? Like what long-term goals do you have? What do you hope to see change in the community um, from the work and effort that you're putting in? There's definitely a few things I would like to see, right? With my legislative role, I would definitely like to see more women of color run for office. And to me, politics is personal, right? So I want to make sure that I, in whatever way possible, really can like send that message to any any woman in my community um, that looks like me, that looks like the two of you that can say like, she did it, that means I can totally do it too. And to be able to really unapologetically and relentlessly put ourselves out there and take, take up space, you know, we have to be able to take up space And sometimes, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about tables and seats at tables. You know, sometimes a seat at a table may look like you building your own table, actually. Now, you want to be in the same cafeteria, but you may not be at that that one table, but you can still build your own. And so for me, you know, I want to be able to know that we're building this table and we're slowly filling up these seats in, in a table that really reflects the values, the needs, the messaging, the priorities that we have. I would also, of course, love to see more advancement around health equity and more specifically advancement around um, conversations around health literacy, conversations around physical access to healthcare providers in our community. I would also really um, love to see more conversation around mental health in our black and brown community. It's a conversation that I think still carries a lot of stigma and a lot of weight, right, in our community, but I think we will not normalize anything unless we keep talking about it, right? So the more we talk about it, 
the more we call things for what they are. And of course, I, I preventative healthcare is so important. I mean, really raising awareness around the, the, the importance of preventative healthcare. Um, because once we start talking about you know, HIV, diabetes, hypertension, once we start talking about all these things, now obviously we start talking into management, which is also very important, chronic disease management, but prevention, I think I want to see so much of a focus on, and I, and I would love to see more mobilization around mobile units from the county level regarding our homeless population as well. Mm -hmm. um, because as you both probably know very well with healthcare, a lot of times with healthcare, you have to meet people where they're at. We can't expect that people are going to come to us for certain things, especially certain groups, right? And I would also really love to see a shift in civic engagement. There's such a lack of civic engagement. The voter turnout in our community is extremely, extremely low. I look at my race, for example, and um, in the general election, there was probably roughly around 1,200 votes total cast between myself and my opponent. That is, if, if I could only share, like if I, if I only broke down how many doors we knocked on, phone calls we made, text messages we made, mailers I sent out to try to like get people mobilized and out and out to vote and getting out the vote. And it wasn't just myself, there were other candidates. So this get out the vote message was getting out a lot. Mm -hmm. And yet voter turnout was so low. And there are specific areas in my district specifically in the city of Newburgh, where voter turnout was almost non-existent. And it just shows there's this ongoing issue, right, with specific pockets of our community that are not being touched or don't have that faith mm -hmm. in our governance and our representation. And so there's so much work to be done there, and I don't take that for granted. Um, you know, getting folks out to vote is one thing. Getting folks registered to vote is another thing. These are long scale things that will probably go beyond my time in this work, but I think anything I can do to be able to provide some sort of mobility and momentum in this work, I, I definitely want to be part of it. Wow, I did not expect for such a low voter turnout in a city and town like Newburgh. So it's really shocking to hear that only a couple hundred people, you know, came out and voted, even after all the work that went into getting people to go out and vote. Because we all know that voting is important. We are the people who live in the community. We know the issues, you know, and we have the power to elect people who will advocate for us, like you're doing for them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really unfortunate that people didn't go and vote. But I do have a question. So how can we help make changes in our community, whether we're just community members or for other professionals who may not necessarily have these titles? I love this question. I always say, whether we talk about activism, you know, whether we talk about just community service work, everyone has a role to play, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a fancy title and you don't have to have a bunch of money to just be able to contribute to your community. There's only one thing you have to have, regardless of who you are. You just have to care. It's that simple. <laughs> you just have to care. And once, once you identify that you care and you wanna be part of a shift, then you will find that there's so many ways for you to be involved and so many opportunities for that involvement. I will say that some of the most powerful moments um, 
or kind of movements or, or, or some of the most powerful shifts that I've been able to see have been from very grassroots moments. It has not been from a CEO. It has not been from an executive director. It has not been from a legislator. It has been from people from our community who have pushed an agenda and have mobilized people and have made that thing happen. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of community organizing, I really think about the power, the power of the people, the power that people have. And when we talk about mobilizing a community for whatever, for whatever that may be, um, and you can fill up a city council chamber with hundreds of people to speak on an issue, or when you have, you know, hundreds of people show up to a community health fair, or when you have hundreds of people showing up to, um, you know, something, a, a job fair, for example, you know, these are the kinds of things that, you know, people from our community can be part of, that can help mobilize, that can help spread the word. If you're someone who has somewhat of an understanding of how city council works or how the county legislature works and you want to help empower and inform, because knowledge is power, right? Really helping to empower and inform people around you, you can be that person. You know, if if you're someone who um, is passionate about the seniors and the senior community, trust me, there's just in my district alone, there's four senior buildings. And I promise you, they would love to have you go there and play bingo with them. They would love to have some food cooked for them. I promise you that. (laughs) So, you know, I know plenty of people that love to cook. I know plenty of people that love to kind of facilitate, you know, recreational things. Mm -hmm. And these places would really welcome community members to come in and, and, you know, spend some time with seniors in our community that may not have family that sees them or visits them often. Um, There's a lot of nonprofits in our community that are always looking for volunteers and always looking for community members um, in terms of, you know, informing services, right? Things like community surveys and things like that. Um, There's so many ways. And I think it's just about you caring and you wanting to show up for your community. And, um, and then just ask, put yourself out there and ask questions too, if you're not sure. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and for giving us so much insight on how we can help our community and the work that you're doing and just how amazing you are and how you get the ground running in all of your roles. It's been really interesting to learn about everything that you're doing and yeah. You just have to, you have to believe in yourself. You have to care. And, Absolutely. You know, and I think something that you said that really impacted me was when you were canvassing and knocking on doors and stuff, you didn't let other people's opinions of about you or about what you were doing affect you and change how passionate you were about the work that you're doing. And I think that that's something that we all need to take with us. It's very easy to move in a world that maybe isn't rooting for you to win and um, to kind of take on what other people believe about you just by seeing you not even hearing you speak, not even hearing your passion, your drive and all that you want to do. And the, the reality is of it is, is like, if you know yourself well enough and you know what is driving you and what pushes you to go to do the work that you're doing and to become who you want to be, then no one can take that away from you. And really no one can change that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both and um, for inviting me on and being able to share a little bit of you know my thoughts, my story, the work I'm doing. And if I think, you know, if there's one last thing that I would share with everyone is, um, and this is something that I really take to heart, something that I 
like they say, I, you know, I walk the walk because it's super important. So outside of everything that I've already shared, one thing that I would say to everyone, especially, especially women, especially women of color, is for us to remain rooted in our authenticity. You don't have to cut corners and you don't have to, you know, sell yourself in a way that is, is just not you, just to be in a certain space or to take up a certain space because I can tell you all, you know, when I was door knocking, I didn't wear a pantsuit. I very much, you know, a lot of times had my big hair out, my hoop earrings on, exactly my jeans. I was just showing up as me and that was it, you know? And in any space I'm in, I show up as me. I don't, I have learned that, you know, that is not only when I can bring my best self forward, right? When I am bringing my whole self in, um, but also, and most importantly, people can actually connect to you and people, they, they will learn to respect you for who you are, not for who they want you to be or who they think you should be. And I have bumped into situations where people tell me how they think I should act or think I should be. And it's like, thank you for your unsolicited advice. <laughs> I think I have done very well for myself being able to be rooted in my authenticity. And we struggle with that a lot. I know for a fact, I went through imposter syndrome, you know, in my like early to mid twenties, I was there when I was part of a space and I felt like, oh, I, I don't, I don't belong here. Like, what am I doing here? I've been there, done that. You know, I've been through the phase of um, thinking that maybe, you know, I, I, I couldn't do this or I couldn't say this that way um, because then you're labeled a certain way. Now it's like, I don't care. If you, if you want to label me as a person like, oh, here she comes again, then so be it, because I'm not going to back down from the truth. And I'm not going to back down from the things that I that I know are right and that are rooted by what I know is informed by the community. So it's not just my own feelings and my own thoughts. Right. It's also about being, again, that voice and that advocate. So you don't you, I feel like besides being rooted in our authenticity and, and what we do and going back to our why is not, not backing down from the truth and not watering down your message and not watering down what you know is just fundamentally right. Mm -hmm. Being authentic in certain spaces hard. Cannot, is, is not, not just hard, but can be unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so also you have to keep that in mind, right? Like you have to put your safety first. So sometimes in some spaces, I'll listen more than I talk that's always very strategic too. So <laughs> thank you both. I really appreciate all your questions today. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. It's been really informative and I've learned a lot personally. So. If anyone listening is interested in being interviewed or knows someone that might be interested in being interviewed for our podcast, please reach out to us via text or call 845-248-3942. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>